The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Glad you join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. Rory here with you until 7 o'clock and a lot to cover on the show this evening. We are talking to the All-Ireland Champions, Cork, after that incredible win over Dublin last night. We'll hear from boss Pat Ryan, who spoke to us earlier on today. So we'll hear from him in just a little bit. We're going to talk MMA, Conor McGregor's broken leg, what that means for him. We're going to talk to Sean Sheehan of Severe MMA about that in just a little bit. And where McGregor goes from here, does he even go back to to the UFC and we're also going to talk tag rugby tonight Marco Sullivan from the Cork Vikings will be along as well to talk about their new club and we are of course going to talk Euro 2020 the grand finale tonight England versus Italy 8 o'clock kickoff in Wembley that's all to come on the big red bench We're here with you until 7pm. We put a Twitter poll up actually to see who you think was going to win tonight's game, England or Italy. And just looking at the voting, even though there is a couple of hours left, 84.4% of you think Italy are going to win. 15.6% thinking England now is that I want Italy to win or I think they're going to win because I think it's going to be very, very close indeed. I think England might sneak it Shh, whisper it but it's going to be a good game looking forward to kick off 8 o'clock what's been a very very entertaining European Championship so far but we'll have more on that in just a little bit just to recap on today's action and uh, Mayon Galway will contest the Connacht Senior Football Championship final for a second consecutive year that's after the green and red hammered Leitrim 5 22 11 points at Mackell Park this afternoon Darren McHale Darren Cohen Ryan O'Donoghue Tommy Conroy all scoring goals today manager James Horan pleased with his efforts yeah I thought we started, started well and went about our business very well for the, for the first quarter and built up a six or seven point lead with some very good scores I thought and um, got a goal then and I suppose we controlled the game from there so so look, happy, very happy with our start and what we what we said about uh, we, we, we dominated possession had a lot of ball and, and the guys were hungry to play so so um, created a lot, of, a lot of opportunities for sure I think all meanwhile has survived a scare in Ballet Buffet they've beaten Derry and former manager Rory Gallagher 16 points to 15 in their quarter final Paddy McBrayer to kick in you've got to see this point that he scored kicking an incredible point from playing it into time to win it for the host that's worth checking out in the Sunday game um, elsewhere Kerry beat Ross Cowan 321 to 213 in the 2020 Minor Football Championship semi-final at the Gaelic Grounds today they'll face Derry in the decider congratulations to Cork who are into the All-Ireland Under-16 Championship final they had a good win over Galway today 315 to 10 points was how that finished tennis Novak Djokovic has won his 6th Wimbledon title he's equaled the all-time record for Grand Slam victories the Serbian world number 1 has beaten Italy's Matteo Berrettini in four sets the victory sees Djokovic join Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal on 20 Grand Slam titles Roger uh, Padre Carrington excuse me shot a one under par round of 70 with the Scottish Open today that is a Dubliner 11 under par 7 shots off the lead that is held by Thomas Detreed Cormac Sharp finishing up at 8 under Seamus Power 11 under through 3 of the John Deere Classic on the PGA Tour Leon Maguire is in the tie for 18th playing the final round of the Marathon Classic in Ohio plays been suspended there due to heavy range 10 shots off the pace and in cycling the American cyclist Sepp Kuss has won stage 15 of the Tour de France it's the first time the 26 year old has secured a stage of victory the defending champion Tadej Pogacar still retains the lead 
going to start the show by looking back on Cork's incredible victory last night over Dublin in the All-Ireland Under-20 Hurling Championship final I spoke to Cork boss Pat Ryan going to hear from him in just a little bit first though the reaction of man of the match last night Brian Roach of Bride Rovers speaking on TG Carr directly afterwards Brian Pat Slurry picked you as man of the match because he said you were the hardest working player out there that really was a thread that ran through the Cork team this evening wasn't it? Yeah definitely we tried to build around that like you know it definitely is what spirits our team like you know it's all about hard work determination and hunger uh, you know maybe for too long we've been out just fancy hurlers and what we needed was people that would just die out in the pitch and I felt today that's what got us over line just us dying out there and you didn't let Dublin ever get close enough to really, really test you, bar the goal that came towards the end. It seemed as well that any time Dublin got a couple of really important scores, you managed to dig out something, even if it was a free or if it was a, a sort of get down into the pits and mine something, you managed to come up with a big score. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what got us over the line. I think we learned from the Munster final and uh, uh, Munster semi-final, we let Tip and Limerick just into it, back into it too easy. So we said today if we got a lead, we just weren't going to let Dublin come back into it and it's how we dealt with them getting the scores brilliant We were sure after nearly 200 days of inactivity that you'd be slow out of the traps how wrong we were what a start What a start I know we said you know, we've been waiting for this day a long long time you know, we met probably first in October November 2019 so we've been just hungry for this game and we really wanted to get at them I think that's what really showed what we're about the way we got out there in the first 15 minutes I think we blew Dublin away all right, for more on last night's game, I'm joined by All-Ireland winning Cork manager Pat Ryan. Pat, how does that sound, All-Ireland winning Cork manager? Yeah, so look, this um, sounds good enough, I suppose, but look, it is not about me, it is about more the, the management team and the players themselves, right? Um, look, we had a fantastic win, so look, uh, delighted to get uh, to get over the line and, uh, you know, great credit to the players and the, the backroom staff and the fellas who put in fierce effort uh, over the last couple of months to get there. And Pat, great credit indeed to the players, they were sensational last night. Yeah, they played very well. Yeah, in fairness, look, look, and, and look, I suppose, look, there were probably parts of the game where we could have played better and, and could have closed out the game a bit better than that, you know. But I suppose, look, um, that's probably look getting over the line and getting the trophy was the most important thing of the day and um, winning the final. But look, look, we've very good players, a lot of good players coming forward in Cork, you know. And uh, look, great credit you to uh, development squads that have been set up in the last couple of years because we're seeing the fruits of that now. Maybe look a bit disappointed that we haven't won trophies over the last, when we say all Ireland's over the last kind of couple of years. But look, we've been competing and back competing regularly uh, and, and look great now finally to get uh, I suppose a bit of a monkey off our back you know and, and very far over the next couple of years The start you had last night Pat you scored 1-4 very very quickly that was the foundation I suppose for your victory last night yeah, yeah. Look, we were delighted. Look, we were look. Look, I suppose every everyone wants to start well. That's that's the plan and everything. I suppose especially in the final, you know. But uh, look, we've a lot of very good forwards. And look, I, I thought our halfbacks and midfield gave us a fierce platform in the first ten, fifteen minutes, especially. And look, we probably should have got more scores. Left a couple of chances behind us, maybe a couple of goals as well, you know. So, um, but look, um, did enough, did enough to get a, a lead going in at half time. And uh, looking fair to Dublin, they came back very strong at us in the second half, and we pulled away again, and they came back again at us again, you know. And I suppose look, uh, just managed to close out. The game in the end, you know. It must have been a few nervy moments when you look at the scoreboard and you see that Dublin fight back is happening and they're getting closer to you. 
Yeah, look, look, there is, I suppose, look, and, and look, 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 we've all seen games where that change in, in, in hurling changed so fast, you know, so um, probably a bit disappointed with how the goal went in, you know, we made a great, oh, made a great save and, and probably didn't react to close off the next ball in, you know, so with look, in fairness, look, a lot of the, oh, we, we, we pride ourselves on the 35 players that are on the panel and the commitment they've given us and how good they are, you know, there's a lot of good players that didn't even make 24 yesterday and a lot of good players didn't get the opportunity to come on, but we were delighted with the five stars we introduced, they all competed, they all, um, they all contributed to the, the game plan and Look, everybody who came off was in great form coming off. You know, look, nobody likes to be taken off as well at the same time. But look, um, they showed great attitude and great, great respect to the panel when they came off as well. You had to wait 199 days for this final panel. I mean, what have the challenges been like keeping the panel motivated, keeping the panel fit and ready for this game? Yeah, look, look, I, I looked at the answer. I don't think there was any problem keeping them motivated, right? Because they were very self-motivated themselves. And I suppose, look, look, um, we have very good strength and uh, conditioning backroom staff there, right? Obviously, with Adam McCarthy there, who leads it for us. Um, but look, obviously, he's getting a lot of support from Aidan O'Connell, the high performance director in Cork. So, um, and look, in fairness, the lads, look, the lads were on programs. They were really good programs. They were monitored. Um, but look, we trusted them to do it. They were, that they that they do the programs themselves and keep themselves in great condition. And obviously, look, they were interacting with their own clubs as well. You know, and look, lads came back in great shape for us, and we were, we were thrilled with how that how that worked out. You know, what's the, the I suppose the wider impact of this win for Cork hurling as a whole, Pat? I mean, like it's a bit of a monkey off the back, I suppose. Cork winning an All Ireland title. Yeah, I suppose. Look, it is a bit of a monkey off the back, and look at it. Look, look, it stops. I suppose it stops journalists and people talking about it. And say, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It gives fellas an opportunity to to, to manage us to breed. Look, you know. So look, obviously, look, uh, we're still involved in the under twenty competition going again. The twenty twenty one side of it, we're involved in the minor. Uh, and look, the footballers have won titles in the last couple of years. You know, so it was great to get that hurling uh, title. But look, at the same time, look, this is only a development title. Look, we're all about winning senior titles, and look, this gives players an opportunity to go forward into senior be part of senior panels and give them that confidence that they know that they can compete with the best hurlers out there and obviously win as well you know once you win that gives you more confidence when you go into these tight situations you know? certainly does indeed um, you can see how much it meant to everyone though last night Pat the final whistle goes just the scenes of celebration jubilation and massive relief I suppose for everyone involved as well yeah, exactly. Look, and, and look, obviously, looking for the players have put a huge amount of effort into it, right? Um, and had kind of given given us everything that we asked them, and we asked them a, a lot of things. You know, we asked them a lot of commitment, a lot, a lot of effort. And training sessions were very hard, and they, they never shirked in their responsibilities or shirked in their effort. And look, that comes out normally when you win, then you know, because look, fellas know that they've given that effort, and when you've given that effort, it means more to you, you know. Uh, and I think that's what I think that's you could see that last night. And they look at mental an awful lot to people's parents and their clubmates, and you know, look, obviously. It was a pity we couldn't have had more fans at it. And but look, at the same time, we had a lot of very genuine people up there in Cork and you, that you would see in loads of matches, and they got great uh, enjoyment out of it. You know, so there was a great buzz around the place. I suppose, given COVID restrictions and all that, I suppose celebrations must be kind of muted. I suppose this weekend, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, will be. Yeah, look, look, look. Obviously, look, look. The lads will celebrate themselves and stuff like that. Look, but we'll look, we have the 2021 group going out on the 20th, which is kind of 10 days away now. Um, so we'll be back training Monday night doing a recovery session and uh, getting ready for that thing as well. Because look, at the same time, we have a couple of fellas who are underage again next year to start it, and fellas in the panel. And look, we have maybe 16, 17 that are on our 35. So look, we have to make sure that we give them the respect to play in the Cork jersey and and you know what I mean, the opportunity to represent that as best we can. You know, so we'll be taking it very seriously and we'll get tuned in from from Monday morning. It comes on we'll f- try and forget about the 2020 competition <laughs> and we'll move on to 2021 fairly fast no rest for the wicked so <laughs> no, no no rest no rest no rest <laughs> Pat it's been a pleasure talking to you congratulations again 
Cheers, Rory. Thanks very much. God bless. Bye-bye. Yeah, great to speak to Pat Ryan earlier on today. An absolutely sensational last start from Cork last night in that All-Ireland final at Dublin. Uh, a goal on four points before I'd even sat down with my cup of tea to watch it. It was absolutely brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant stuff from the Rebels. All-Ireland champions. Cork. All-Ireland champions. That feels very, very good indeed to say. And as I said to Pat, monkey off the back, maybe, for Cork teams going forward. A little bit of the pressure off and certainly some uh, very decent players coming through that Cork panel. Yeah, really got really, really, really enjoyed that game last night. Uh, one man who did enjoy his exploits last night was Conor McGregor, who was uh, beaten by Dustin Poirier last night because he broke his shin bone. It looked like... Um, Justin Poirier checked the kick um, and Conor McGregor uh, it just broke it was it was disgusting to look at absolutely horrible uh, but McGregor has lost he hasn't won a fight he's only won one fight I should say in uh, five years in the USC it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here I spoke to Sean Sheehan uh, earlier on today of severemma.com about last night's fight and where Conor McGregor goes from here first we're going to hear from McGregor we're going to hear from Dustin Poirier and we're going to hear from the USC president Dana White uh, and then obviously there was a late sequence at the end of the opening round I mean you were pushing to the end um, when you went back to your corner at the end of round one did you know something was wrong it- yeah, when I was walking away, uh, at and he stayed down, I looked down at his shin and I saw the bone, like I saw it was disfigured a little bit, and I was like, oh, man. It's just weird that it held together, because I'm more than sure it happened on when I checked the kick, that it held together, and then, you know, probably when he pivoted on that bone, that's when it probably separated or something. You know, I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, so as you walked back to your corner, did you go, the, the fight's over? Yeah, yeah, I went sit on the stool, and uh, I forget who, who was it in my corner came up to me and said, this is over. Yeah. Nice. You know, like you said, it's not the way you want a fight to end, right? But I do wonder, I mean, he said you were going to be leaving on a stretcher. He ends up leaving on a stretcher. I mean, do you take any satisfaction in that? Listen, Connor said some nasty stuff that didn't make it on Embedded. And and, uh, maybe when this behind the scenes for this fight airs, you'll see him on the ground still saying some some real bad stuff. But even that stuff being said, I don't wish, you know, serious harm like that on nobody. The guy's got kids. Um, I want him to go home safe to his family. I pray uh, before these fights. Every time before I walk through the octagon door, I'm praying that not, not you know, not for me to win. Not, I, I'm praying that we both get out of this safe because, you know, I know what I'm going to try to do to him. I know what he's going to try to do to me, you know. He said afterwards, the rivalry's not over. Dana White was here earlier. Dana said, you know, obviously you're going to fight for the title next, but at some point you do the rematch down the line. Do you feel like the rivalry is over? Do you feel like... No, we are going to fight again, whether it's in the octagon or on the sidewalk. You don't say the stuff he said, you know. The things that he did say, especially afterwards, you're saying about your wife and that sort of thing? Nah, that's... My wife's solid as a rock. I'm not worried about that. That's noise. He was saying that he was going to kill me. You don't say stuff like that, that he was going to murder me. You don't say stuff like that, you know. You don't say stuff about people's wives either, but I know that that's, you know, I know that's that's zero chance. Uh, but there is a chance, you know, somebody could die. And you don't say that. You don't wish that on anybody, man. The fight obviously stopped in a horrible way. Give us your thoughts on how it was going. I was boxing the blade and head off him, kicking the blade and leg off him. You will show you do it to close the distance. This is not over. If we had to take this outside with him, it's all outside. We don't give a He said that he believes that one of the kicks that he checked is what broke your leg. There was no check. There was not one of them I checked. Your wife is in me DMs. Hey, baby. Hit me back up on chat. you later on. We'll be at the party. 
Boy Club, baby. You're looking bitch, you little him. Connor, you you missed with a punch and stepped back. Tell us what you felt. Tell us what you thought was going on. Just the thing had separated and we bleed and landed on the wonky leg like Anderson Silva that time. Something similar to that. It's a f***ing mad hell business. It sucks. It's brutal. It's, it's, you know, it's not the way you want to see fights end. So, you know, Dustin Poirier will fight for the title and, and Connor's healed and ready to go. You, you do the rematch, I guess. I don't know. Did you, I mean, obviously it appeared a pretty clear leg break. Do we have like official medical confirmation? He'll go, he goes into surgery in the morning. Okay. Yeah. Did you get a chance to speak to him at all before he was transported? Just when I was standing in, in the octagon. Yeah. You, you said it right there. You said do the rematch, right? He said he thinks the rivalry isn't over. Do you do you feel that way that the rivalry isn't over? It needs yeah, to happen? Uh, yeah, listen, that, that the fight didn't get finished. You know, uh, 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 you can't have a fight finished that way. So... You know, we'll see, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. Who knows how long Connor's out? So, you know, um, uh, Poirier will do his thing until until Connor's ready. Okay, you just heard there from Dustin Poirier, the man who beat Conor McGregor last night. We heard from Conor McGregor. We'll talk about the issues of interviewing a man with a broken leg in a second. You also heard from Dana White. And now for more on it, we are going to hear from our good friend Sean Sheen of Samir MMA. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm not too bad. I suppose another late night, but uh, uh, a mad finish again last night. But when there's a Conor McGregor fight, there seems to be always something <laughs> mad. But um, last, I suppose last night was was madder than usual. Um, let's talk about how the fight finished first off, because that's obviously the major talking point. Um, to break your your tibia like that uh, is always shocking. But to see it happen in a fight, I don't know what it is. It always just seems shocking and uh, and almost disturbing. It looked absolutely horrible when it happened. Yeah, I, I was kind of saying it as it's happened so much lately in mixed martial arts. And when I say a lot, I think it's, there was one maybe um, two months ago and the Anderson Silva one as well, maybe it was probably five years ago at this stage. We're getting, I don't know, oddly more used to it just because there's more fights. It's still a shocking and insane way to end when you kind of think back on it. Uh, but seeing McGregor there last night and, you know, the, the worst part always, I think, is when they kind of attempt to lift the leg and it's, you know, it's kind of swaying and it's, you know, it's it's not connected the right way. You know, it's it's sickening. We've seen it down through the years. We've, you know, with the original CSA in, uh, mm. in soccer, or even Luke Shaw and people like that. We've seen it in all different sorts of sports and uh, it's it's never not horrendous. And for it to happen to Conor McGregor like this in such a big fight, you know, a lot of people, including myself, were calling this the biggest sporting matchup of his career. It was the one to kind of to keep him right up there towards the uh, the top of the UFC lightweight division and for it to end like this for him is very very uh, very very unfortunate you know because he not, not only lost the fight although that doesn't set him back too much I think mm. because of the way it ended but he's out for a year you know and that was his issue coming to the last fight he said he didn't have lots of time to prepare he's better when he's fighting you know every four to six months and now he's out you know more more than likely for, for another year so it's a very very tough setback from a sporting point of view obviously for, uh, for Conor McGregor Up until that point as well he was losing the fight Dustin Poirier kind of did he dominate round one Sean for you? 
Um, I wouldn't say he dominated it. No, two judges gave it ten eight, but yeah, you have to you have to remember with that as well. Included in that was the leg break and McGregor getting hit with five or six shots after he broke his leg, and the judges when that's not deemed an illegal blow, they're scoring that. You know, so okay. um, it's you can you can take that with a pinch of salt. I thought Poirier was winning the round, uh, and obviously the last ten seconds are. are so, uh, you know, gave it to him well. But McGregor was landing some shots, landing some lovely leg kicks on the ground. Poirier was winning, but he wasn't overwhelming McGregor in a way that maybe, you know, the, the naked eye or the untrained eye would uh, would see McGregor was landing some uh, nice stuff. McGregor's jiu-jitsu didn't look, I think, as good as, as normal. I, I think um, uh, I think he, there was a few opportunities where he could have got uh, Poirier off him, could have swept him a little bit and made it easier on himself and got back to the feet. Uh, but in general, I thought he landed some nice shots himself, and that's how how rounds are scored, you know, on the on the shots that that you land as well. But um, no doubt about it, I think Poirier did win the round. He landed some nice elbows uh, on McGregor, and the, you know the the thing for Poirier and the fight going forward, if it had started the second round. Look, McGregor's still in there. We've seen his cardio issues in the past. I think if Paria had, say, got another takedown early in the second, if it had gone on, then it would have been big. But McGregor still had a chance in that fight, absolutely. The way he got up after um, uh, after the, the period on the ground was a, a little bit reminiscent of Chad Mendes' fight. It went a very similar way. McGregor was taken down and lots of sh- shots landed on top, but he still went out and won that fight in the second round. So McGregor has previous, has done it before. Um, so Look, Paria was winning that fight, but I don't think it was by any means over, you know. You touched on it a while back, Sean. Um, the defeat doesn't really set Conor McGregor back because of the nature of the defeat. If you're going to lose a fight, I suppose, I, I know it sounds a, a strange thing to say, but this is probably the best way to lose because Dana White said in the press conference that when he's coming back, if he comes back, um, his next fight will be against Dustin. So that rematch is still on. Yeah, it could very well be. I think the way that they they kind of spoke to each other during the week, it got it, it got bad from McGregor's side during the week. I think it got bad from both sides after the fight last night. There was some, you know, there was some horrible stuff said by by both of them, um, and they both said, you know, this is not over. We've no closure here. We want to see the the fight uh, the fight ended and the rivalry ended. So we need to to fight again. Look, if you're Conor McGregor and you're thinking, you know. Oh, come back, you know, getting ready for this. Uh, Dustin Poirier is fighting Charles Oliveira probably at the end of the year, probably early next year. That's probably, you know, what would that be? Five, six months away. Mm-hmm. Another five, six months after that, maybe McGregor will be coming back. If Poirier wins that fight, he will be the UFC lightweight champion. If McGregor comes straight back into the Poirier fight, it could be for a title and it could be absolutely huge again. But, you know, if McGregor, I think. I think McGregor could do with a couple of fights coming back rather than going straight in against Poirier for a title fight. But, you know, we've seen with McGregor in the in the, the past. He goes straight in at the very top whenever he can. So, look, I'm sure he's very, very down today and he will be for the next while, but uh, he'll bounce back as well. We've seen it with him before. He's had some horrible, horrible injuries. He's done his ACL twice and, you know, fought through very, very tough injuries as well. But, obviously, uh, last night is probably the, the worst he's had. But I don't... Look, there's a lot of things you can question about McGregor, but his, uh, you know, he's hard to come back from something like that. I don't think is one. What did you make of the UFC decision to allow Joe Rogan to interview Conor McGregor afterwards? He's down with a broken leg, um, obviously in some discussion.
discomfort and some pain and Joe Rogan is sitting down next to him with a, a microphone in his face yeah, uh, I think it's a very situational one. We have a lot of uh, uh, we have a lot of debate over that in in the UFC mostly uh, about. Uh, it's usually with people who are knocked out, you know, because we if you are knocked out, you're not going to probably say what you would normally say in that situation. Say if you lost a decision or maybe a submission or something like that. But sometimes it can be a flash and they look fine. I think it's a very situational thing. Um, Last night, I feel if, I feel like if people hadn't heard from Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. when he was like sitting there and when he was talking anyway, and he seemed, look, he seemed like he was open. Even if people saw him go out in the stretcher, he was like high-fiving people and cheering and stuff. He seemed in relatively good spirits for as good spirits as you can be after sapping your leg. Um, I didn't think it was the worst. I think we've seen way worse ones before where guys have been like, badly hurt in Joe Rogan's interview and they clearly kind of don't know what they're saying I think McGregor knew what he was saying it wasn't what came out wasn't very good uh, don't get me wrong but um, yeah I wouldn't have too much of an issue with it to be honest but I can definitely see why why people would and you know to McGregor needed to get away and to get uh, medical attention quicker so I suppose if that's your argument absolutely 100% I would agree with that um, but yeah I wouldn't have I wouldn't have that much of a problem with it to be honest What did you make of McGregor I suppose um, demeanour and attitude and his comments towards Dustin in the build up and even afterwards last night for me they bordered on classless and distasteful and um, I think for me anyway his shtick has gotten really really old and I didn't care for it what was your take on that? Yeah, but before the fight, I thought it was very much Conor McGregor trying to play Conor McGregor. You know, yeah. it was, uh, it was not, it didn't seem natural. But then after the fight, when he kind of kept doing it, it was like, well, you know, maybe it is. And what you said there about, you know, classless and stuff like that, there was a lot of that there, what he said about Poirier's wife. Yes. And even I think Poirier as well, you know, McGregor just broke in his ankle and Poirier was walking up to him and jeering him and stuff. <laughs> I think that, you know, that was, that was, wasn't great either to be honest uh yeah it was look it's one of those fo- things where conor mcgregor was kind of the, the last two fights he came out and he was very nice to his opponents he was very respectful he didn't really say anything bad and people didn't like it you know people were like where's conor mcgregor gone where's the real conor mcgregor gone and i think he kind of felt pressure to come out and do this now he could have done it a little bit more intelligently i think mm-hmm. probably a little bit better um and the way he you know, the way he did it this time was very, very... It, it wasn't as bad as the Habib Nurmagomedov stuff, but it was it was bad. But look, the UFC down through the years have... Uh, I think it's very much kind of gotten away from this a little bit, but there are a few people who still do it. And I think McGregor feels the need to do it and the UFC are never going to stop it. You know, if this was another sport, uh, you know, if this was Patrick Corrigan coming out saying this on a Saturday before a Cork match, he'd get told right quick to, to stop saying <laughs> stuff like this, you know. Um, but when it's when it's MMA and they're selling fights and Dana White comes out last night and said it sold 1.7 million pay-per-view buys in the States, so what's that? I think the second or third biggest in the mm. history of the company. That's why. That's why he's doing it. And that's why he's doing the sell pay-per-views. And I think this week he's been bad. And I think people have seen it and they've realized it's not the, the kind of the real authentic Conor McGregor who was brash and look a bit distasteful, very distasteful at times. Um, but you could see where it was coming from. This time it, it felt like it was coming from somewhere that was unnatural. But I think people bought it because maybe they wanted to see what happened last night. They wanted to see him on the ground getting beat up. They wanted to see him lose. 
Um, and look, they saw a bit of that, but for McGregor, for the UFC, even for Dustin Poirier as well, this is the biggest payday of Dustin Poirier's life. It sets up another fight for all of them. And okay, for McGregor, he left to come through a year of uh, of getting back to health. But for for all of them, they will be counting the dollar signs and they'll all be delighted that they can have another payday for this fight. Does McGregor come back though because he's made his money? As you said, it's a serious injury. He's going to take a, a year from to come back. Does he come back to MMA or does he go back to boxing? and try and get some big money fights against one of the, the Paul brothers or Manny Pacquiao or something that boom or something where the risk of him breaking his leg again like that is uh, far far less yeah I, it, look it's a tough one There's there will be a point I think where McGregor he, you know he's not stupid and he loves money he will take one of those fights at some stage but up until this fight you know a lot of people always talk about McGregor and talk about him just taking the big fights just taking the money fights but if you look at his record the Floyd Mayweather fight aside every single one of his fights have either been title fights at the very top a contender fight to get to the title fight or a fight like the Cerrone fight to get to a contender fight to get to a title fight mm-hmm. every single one you know the Nate Diaz uh, two fights were obviously uh, the first one was on short notice uh, because uh, Dos Anjos pulled out in the title fight uh, and then he lost so he had to rematch it so uh, I think with McGregor uh, that was a big talk of my coming into this fight I think and if he had lost in a more normal way I think uh, look if McGregor had come out and got tapped out in 20 seconds the debate today would be where is he going to go is it going to be a back pocket fight is it going to be a boxing match is it going to be Jake Paul but now I think the fact that he's kind of still in that conversation because of the way the fight ended um, I think he will come back and I think he'll try to come back at the very top that's just McGregor's character I think I think he I think he sees himself still as the best maybe everyone in the world doesn't still see him as the best but I think he still sees himself there will that change you know through all of this and and through all the recovery maybe but at the moment if I was to call it I think I think he'll come back at the very very top and, and fight Paria for a title if Paria wins that title uh, coming up uh, to maybe in, in uh, December or January Finally Sean before I let you go um, just a story that you broke um, last week was uh, a good friend of the show's Pal Lee Han uh, signing uh, a major major deal with a major major promotion this is big news uh, for him and indeed uh, I suppose the MMA scene in Cork as well yeah, absolutely. Um, Paz going to be going over and fighting on uh, combat, uh, combatches America as it's absolutely huge promotion uh, in Latin America. It was started by the guy who started the UFC, Campbell McLaren. Uh, and I spoke to him last week and he's delighted to have uh, Paz on it. And, you know, it's going to be a big opportunity. There's going to be belts on the line. There's going to be different sort of tournaments. They do all different sort of things. You know, they do tournaments and they do these big trophies and end of the year things and everything. So that, uh, that promotion is is huge where it is, um, and it's a big opportunity. When I when I uh, heard about uh, signing, I was like, "Whoa!" Mm-hmm. I was surprised by it, but I was very, very, uh, very, very happy for it as well. If anyone's at, at the Cage Warriors in Cork, there at the God, it feels like about ten years ago now at this stage, but it was at the the start of uh, of last year. Pa got an unbelievable Brilliant. knockout, yeah. uh, just one of the best I've ever seen live. To be honest, in an, in, in an amateur fight, and now he's uh, I think a lot of people saw that, and uh, he's turning pro now. So it's it's big for him and uh, Ryan Spillane as well fighting next week or two weeks time I think in, in Battle Arena a big fight for him so um, yeah lots of uh, lots of big fights coming up and you know the scene is kind of coming back around Ireland especially 
in the north there's rumours of cage wires and Bellator coming back as well so there'll be lots of opportunities uh, you know John Mitchell actually fought a couple of weeks ago as well uh, and got a, a fantastic win so it's, uh, it's been a good time and, and a good time coming up as well for uh, mm. for Irish MMA but Cork MMA as well specifically Yeah and John trained with Conor McGregor in the build up to last night's fight as well He, he did yeah he did yeah and he got, uh, apparently they did a couple of um, a couple of sparring sessions you know John has been out in uh, in the Middle East training and he looks to be in phenomenal yeah. shape out there training with uh, this guy Munir Lazez who's in the UFC who's a very very good prospect so you know that's uh, that can only benefit him in, in his career going forward Excellent uh, Sean tell us uh, what's happening on SevereMMA.com today and this week uh, well, we, I'm just about to re- record the, the podcast here so maybe by the time this comes out the, the podcast will be out yeah. as well so severemmeh.com um, you can follow me as well on Sean Sheehan B on Twitter for uh, for everything else we have our Patreon as well patreon.com forward slash severemmeh podcast we have loads of stuff there uh, every week so if you uh, keep on top of that you'll be doing well Sean a pleasure as always buddy thanks for talking to us today Thanks very much for having me. Sean Sheehan of severe Few, if any, people in this country know more about MMA uh, than Sean. So it was a pleasure to have him on to talk uh, about the, the sport and uh, Conor McGregor's defeat last night. And indeed, good news for the Cork fighters, as we just mentioned there at the end. Uh, Pally had Simon Combatch Global, this huge, huge organisation, huge, huge chance for Pally. We had Pally on the show uh, a couple of months ago before um, uh, a fight that was uh, eventually pulled. So um, great to, to see Pally sign that deal and we just talked about John Mitchell and Ryan Splat so best of luck uh, to all those three lads and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from them down the line still to come on the show we're going to look ahead to your 2020 the final England versus Italy 8 o'clock tonight less than 90 minutes to go now to kick off in Wembley Stadium I think a lot of Irish people are getting nervous at the thought of uh, England winning tonight um, our Twitter poll is up who do you want to win leave the results on that in just a little bit uh, but up next we're talking tag rugby miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie the Big Red Bench we're here with you on the bench until 7pm our Twitter poll on at Big Red Bench we asked uh, who do you want or uh, who do you think is going to win the Euro final tonight is it going to be England is it going to be Italy 83% of respondents going for Italy no surprise there we're going to talk tag rugby now a new team has been established in Cork and is encouraging everyone to come along and learn how to play the game the Cork Vikings are established with the aim of coaching people how to play and is open to everyone regardless of their skill level for more I've been chatting to Marcus Sullivan of the Cork Vikings ok talking tag rugby now I'm joined by Mark O'Sullivan of the Cork Vikings Mark how are you sir? I'm not too bad, Rory. How are you? I'm Thanks. good. Thank you for coming on the show. First off, give us a little bit of Thanks background of um, the, the Vikings and how you got set up. So, Vikings, uh, Cork Vikings Tag Rugby. We're the first and currently only tag rugby club in Cork. Uh, we set up through COVID and through the, through the lockdowns because when the original plan for Level 3 lockdown was that you could have 15 people... Um, playing non-contact sports out, outdoors, basically. So, tag is a, a non-contact sport. Um, so we we set up the club with a view to um, our our friends playing tag essentially and uh, the people we knew so that we could get out and get active. Mm-hmm. But um, while we were setting it up, then we realised that uh, there's nowhere in Cork that you can go to just learn how to play tag with nothing at stake. So um, 
when you go in, like most people, I think you, you were saying you, you play tag yourself. Most people go out and they play tag. They just kind of rock up at a league, get on the pitch and play against a team and kind of learn on the job. Yeah. And it's a, there's a it can, it can be a bit of a pressureful pressureful can be a bit of a high pressure situation where, like you said, you know that you might have an experienced player on the team and he's given out to you because you don't know how to pass a ball or you don't know what you know an offside rule is or so we decided that we would um, set up a place where people can go and learn the fundamentals and the basics of tag and how to play and how to and, and be coached by people who've played to decent level and um, learn and learn where there's nothing at stake and where you can make the mistakes ask the questions you know get it wrong and have it explained as you know why it's right by mm. people who were Happy to happy to do it and happy to coach. Yeah, because um, I suppose tag rugby teams are kind of set up by workers and companies, by by teams, uh, rugby teams themselves and stuff. But for the social teams, the social side of things, like for companies, like a lot of people just go in, as you mentioned, don't know how to play tag, um, and just get hockeyed every week, and 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 it becomes quite dispiriting um, quite quickly if you don't really know how to play and you're coming up against more experienced teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the whole thing about rugby, and I, I played rugby for a very long time, the whole thing about rugby is that rugby is all-inclusive. And tag rugby is a derivative of that, obviously. So if if you're going out every week and, you know, they do say it's all about the taking part and all that sort of stuff, not, I suppose the competitive brain in me is taking part is a lot more fun when you're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're going out and getting hockey by 20, 30, 40 points every weekend, or every week, excuse me, against the organised teams, that's that's not enjoyable, um, and it's on the flip side of that, it's not enjoyable for the team either. That they're, I suppose, doing the hawking because mm-hmm. you're you're, it can come across as quite arrogant or quite, you know, um, not arrogant is probably the wrong word, but quite um, cocky yeah. that a team can go out and score all these points because it means that you you start trying things and you start, you know, trying all the stuff that you would never try in a really competitive game, and that can come across as a bit of a. I don't know what the right word is. It can come across like you're not really taking the game seriously, and you know it's it, it take by taking it seriously. It's a fun game, but it means that you're kind of not concerned about the competition you're playing against, and you can do whatever you want. And we 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 kind of want to, I suppose, um, down or eliminate that kind of feeling you get when you go out and you get hockeyed. It's just no fun. Hmm. Uh, I've been there on, on the on the on the early days of my own tag. I've been there myself, and it's just no fun. Yeah. Um, and so like, if you if you got a corporate team, like sorry, if you got a corporate team, like you said, um, you get the first two three weeks where everyone go play, and then it's like, oh, I'm not going to go on Wednesday night and get hockey again and yeah. feel like crap on Thursday, you know. So, yeah, we had a Red FM team here years ago, and that was similar. We celebrated scoring a try like we just won the World Cup. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> it was that difficult. But. Um, for people who want to get into tag, I suppose this is a good opportunity for 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 them to come along and learn from from you guys. I guess. Absolutely. I mean, like, like I said, rugby is all about being inclusive. And you know, if if it's if it's somebody who's never even touched a rugby ball or never seen a rugby match, or if it's somebody who played for Munster in Ireland, you know, it's it's a case of everybody is there to teach. Everybody is there to learn. So, off the better players, you you learn something. Off the coaches, you learn something. Off the new players, you learn something. You learn how to coach. You know, so you learn how to manage manage a player who's never touched a rugby ball, whereas you learn how to manage a player who's played to a really high level. But yeah, there's it's it's just a place you can go and learn, and and in a nice environment, and thankfully at the moment in really sunny weather. So yeah, that makes it's easy. cool. Yeah. So where are you guys training at the moment? So at the moment we train out of Tremor Valley Park. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you haven't heard of it it's the one where the, where the dump used to be on the Kinsale Roundabout they've done a phenomenal job yeah. um, the Cork City Council and Glen Resource Centre have done a phenomenal job in um, transforming into this really really nice park which has all the five-a-side soccer pitches and the, and the rugby pitches so we, we train on a Sunday um, from four to five o'clock and um, it's every Sunday it's kind of in that dead zone time on a Sunday where you, you kind of you're either done with done doing whatever you're doing with the kids for the day. Your hangover is just about wearing off, <laughs> and it's just just about before you're preparing for Monday. So, it's it's like I said, that kind of dead zone on a Sunday. Um, so that's why we pick that time, and we like we, we pick the weekend as well because we don't really we're we're, we're a coaching setup. We, we're not running leagues. We're not running competitions yet. But we're, we're definitely not running leagues. So we don't want to compete with the league. So we didn't want to put on a weekend a, a, a weekday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the uptake been like? It's actually been really, really good. Um, we've we've got a couple of teams that have come to us to um, to actually train as a, as a team themselves, separate to the training that we put on. Um, so there's a there's a couple of teams that have come from Cork Con. There's a couple of teams that are looking at um, in looking at playing out in Highfield that are are also talking to us at the moment. And then the general uptake where we were looking for we were looking for a certain number of members, kind of for our first. Um, First instalment, we call it, and uh, we're we're pretty much there, which is great. Um, and we we're quite organised with it. So during the week, we're obviously saying, you know, who's who's coming on Sunday, blah blah blah. Training's on, um, and the uptake has been really good, and the feedback has been fantastic as well, which is great. So, um, are you guys entering teams into leagues? Or what's the situation? Yeah. So the, the the plan eventually is to there's there is to essentially have teams in all the leagues so we we're going to start off with like tournament teams and stuff like that uh, once we build uh, once we build the membership base and get everyone kind of to a, a position where they want to play in a tournament and um, so there's a few tournaments that go on every year in either Cork or Limerick or Kerry and um, so the whole the whole plan is to build to where we have a couple of tournament teams and then get a couple of regular league teams in both in both Cork Tag and Tag Republic um, which are the two companies in Cork that do tag and then actually funny enough Munster Branch um, are bringing in their own tag so the, the plan would be to get in with them as well uh, and build it to where it's actually a proper fully functioning club that has you know multiple teams multiple trainings social nights is a big one obviously mm-hmm. um, we're actually we're actually in, in the process of planning our first one but um, yeah the whole idea is to build to where we have a, a huge team structure of four, five, six teams um, from the highest level of tag which would be kind of um, regional playing for Cork uh, when Munster kick in there's going to be a Munster team um, and in the high levels of social out, out, out in Cork tag down to the beginners teams so it's it's going to be like I said as hopefully all inclusive so so if people want to come and train with you guys how do they go about it? So we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, um, it's at Cork Vikings Tag, um, or Cork Vikings Tag on Facebook. Um, drop us a message, um, you know, you'd be, DM, you'd be DMing either myself or Dave, um, Dave Ahern, he's one of the guys in it. Um, or if you're playing con, if you're playing in Cork Con with Tag Republic, if you're playing in Highfield with um, Cork Tag Rugby, uh, or Renegade Tag, um, then you know you get onto either one of those um, venue managers, and, and they they'll hopefully put you onto us. And we're also oh, actually fun enough during during the next couple of weeks, we're going to be visiting Tag Rugby Nights in the Vikings gear to just chat with people and see how they're getting on, and you know, kind of taking the recommendations of some of the venue managers to see what teams would be interested or what teams may need a bit of a you know a little bit of an upskill or mm-hmm. and. Um, so that's the plan over the next couple of weeks. And uh, but DMing on, on Instagram or Facebook, uh, or talking to your venue managers would be the the best way to get onto us. 
Super, Mark. Very best of luck with it. Sounds fascinating. Thanks, um, And thanks for coming on the show. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Down the line. Hopefully, hopefully we'll talk soon. That's great to hear from Marcus Sullivan of the Cork Vikings talking all things uh, things tag at rugby. And you can follow him on social media if you want more information on that. All right, we're going to hear now from a uh, former Cork City striker, current Shelburne striker, and now Ireland international, Saoirse Noonan. Um, fantastic stuff to see Saoirse involved in the Senior Ireland get-up. Uh, she's been talking to Jerry McCarthy as part of the Women in Sport podcast. You can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you download your podcasts. But uh, on this week's episode of the Women in Sport podcast, Jerry spoke to Saoirse about making the step up uh, to international football and uh, this is that chat. Now, it's a real thrill to have former Cork City and current Shelburne striker Saoirse Noonan on the Women in Sport podcast with us and, of course, now also a full Republic of Ireland international. Saoirse, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ger. Not at all. How does that sound when somebody says to you you're a full Republic of Ireland international? Um, it sounds a bit weird, I suppose. It's something that I've been working towards for a long time now, I suppose for it to kind of be true now and to be involved with the girls um, even in the group chat and something it's surreal um, You're not you mean you're not unfamiliar with the international setup from previous you know you've played underage and represented your country before but the moment that Vera Paul called you up and you got to go and what was that experience like finding out and then the experience itself of going to Iceland and taking on the Icelandic team yeah, it was all really quick to be honest. Um, the week leading up to it, we had our final league game, which was the first um, series of games. And then we were nearly um, in camp the next day. So I think it all kind of happened really quick for me. Um, I didn't really get time to time to pop home and do the usual, um, chill out with the family. So it was a bit hectic. Um, but yeah, look, it's, a, it's something that every, every girl wants and a moment that I'll cherish forever and definitely memories that I'll hold on to for life. Yeah, and look, you've been very serious about this as a career move. I mean, moving to Dublin, um, I mean, I won't say the comforts of, but you're a Cork girl and moving from Cork and going up to Dublin, it's not easy at the at the beginning. I'd imagine there's a bit of a bedding in period, but you've settled or you seem to have settled very well at Shells and are going. things are going extremely well for you because the team itself is, is challenging at the top of the table. Yeah, I'm definitely a home bird and I suppose moving up to Dublin was, was a step um, in itself. But look, the girls have been brilliant. Uh, all the staff have been brilliant. No, it's been really understanding and everything's that. That definitely helps um, being a court girl coming up to the big smoke. Um, but yeah, look, I, I suppose it takes time to find your feet in the first first couple of games. I was still performing and then as I started to move up and stuff, I kind of started to struggle a bit. But it's just just a mindset and I suppose I could just change change a few things within myself and just focus on my own game and not be wearing too much and thankfully now things are going well and we played game this this weekend against P-Mount so um, yeah I'm going into that one again Yes I was coming to that because that is uh, a top of the table clash to put it mildly two of probably the most consistent and informed teams in the Women's National League this is really where you test yourselves and you see where you are at in terms of how, how far Shelburne have, have come along Yeah this is definitely where I want to be um, in my career um, competing for the league and playing against team and win we know um, whoever gets the three points is going to be it's going to be absolutely huge so yeah it's exciting um, last time we played them we performed well and I think we're we're still missing as a group and now now we're kind of finding our feet more and getting our rhythm um, and we're creating a lot of chances and we just need to put them away now and hopefully hopefully Saturday will be a good day for us 
Can I ask you, is there anything specific on your own game that you've worked on um, since moving to Shells? You were saying they're like, obviously, you know, you struggle at a new club. Everyone does it in the beginning. But f- does finding your feet mean changing the type of game that you play? Because you're very good at holding the ball up and bringing everyone else into play. But you're scoring and getting into those getting into those kind of areas in the penalty area where you can do damage. How much has Noel King helped in that regard? Yeah, um, Noel's been brilliant. I think when I originally came in, he kind of just said, um, do what you're doing and just try and enjoy it. Um, and I always knew kind of tracking back to pitch was something that I used to work on. Um, I was good going forward, but I was always feeling that bit more of running back and chasing back. So that was something that I've worked on a lot. Um, and then as well, Vera be ringing, giving a few tips on what, on what I can work on to get into her Irish squad, um, which I've done so as well. So yeah, it's just all these small things just play a factor in um, I played a couple of games now with Shells on the wing um, and I was kind of used to that from a bit with Cork City as well so so like everything everything's just a bit different and you just have to do your little bit for the team and then obviously work on your own on your own few things outside training but it's been more or less the same just I suppose try to take myself to the next level now and push on um, I would imagine when you're dealing or speaking to somebody like Vera Paw, consistency is the kind of word that she's used in previous uh, interviews about all the players in the Irish squad. She's looking for a consistent performance from the players that want to play and represent Ireland at the highest level. I guess that's something that you've you've brought into your game and you're hoping to continue to do with Shelburne. Yeah, I think we all want to go out and have a brilliant game um, and score two or three goals every game. But the reality is you're not always going to be on top form. So I think these the games that you're kind of struggling or you might have had a tough week um, are the games that nearly matter because it's, it's how you go out and um, show yourself on those days because those are the days that will matter to you in your career when, when you're not feeling the best but you need to still try to find a performance in somewhere and grit it out and work hard and um, everyone always says uh, hard work would be talent so that's something that you just need to find and that I've definitely been looking for and that will make you and make you the best and make you um, as consistent as you can be. Um, we, I have to ask because most of our previous conversations used to be around the Cork senior ladies football team. I know you're keeping an eye on them and I know that you've made a career choice but you probably watched them through the league campaign and playing Dublin the other night. What did that feel like for you um, watching on television because it wasn't that long ago you were out in the Crow Park pitch yourself and do you miss it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I stay in contact with most of the girls every week um, asking them how they get on in training and stuff um, it's probably not good for me sometimes because I never get too um, emotionally attached um, but it's something that I'll never let go and I'll keep trying even when we're in Iceland um, we'd be and then watching a bit of the GA with us and Donny Galby Cork and it was on the big screen and we were all watching the caravan too so um, everyone everyone loves GA look and it's always going to have a big place in my heart and I watched them again against the dogs and I suppose knowing that you're that you have made my choice now and I can't can't um, affect them and help them is a bit frustrating at times, but it's something that I'm grateful for and I I've got the rewards now and I've got what I wanted. I've broken to their team and I just keep working hard and that and staying there. I have to ask, what did Vera Paul think of Ladies Gaelic football? Yeah, sure, I suppose she doesn't know the rules quite well, but um, I think she she didn't say much she just kind of watched a little bit and asked a few questions um, it, was kind of, it was nice to see that she was wanted to learn our sport too and that's, that's great to see from the manager again um, and we've, we've talked a lot about GA and me making my choices and how it benefited me and stuff so yeah yeah, she definitely I think enjoyed um, her couple of minutes of watching that night 
Interesting. Good stuff. Um, just finally, on the pitch, look, it's great to hear that things are going well for you, Saoirse. You're obviously working extremely hard, um, as we know you would, but... Um, to get your career up and running and or, or to even improve it but off the pitch tell us about Freedom Clothing and what's uh, what, what's involved there Yeah I suppose last lockdown um, with no training I was usually training five out on the pitch at least five nights a week if I'm not training I was watching the session um, and I have two games ever again so there wasn't much time for for a break and I suppose I kind of um, didn't know what to do with myself and I was just training in the mornings myself and I had all my evenings free so I just kind of I was doing a bit of coaching and I was just thinking, imagine if I had my own clothing line and just my cousin had years before and I just kind of um, contacted him and said, basically, help, help me set it up and see what happens. And um, yeah, I just it was just kind of, I suppose, a lockdown, a lockdown um, experiment and a bit of fun. Um, put my savings aside and said, if I blow it all, I blow it all. If I don't, it's brilliant. And yeah, look, I'm still here taking away a little night. It's enjoyable. It doesn't feel like an extra bit of work because I enjoy doing it. And when I see people wearing stuff that I've designed and stuff, it's, it's amazing as well. And it's definitely something that I will look at doing when when my, all my careers end. Um, I hope that's a long, long time away. But um, for now, for now, it's just enjoying it and um, learning and trying to be a little bit of a businesswoman on the side as well with college and everything else that's going on. But yeah, it's nice. Brilliant stuff. And where can people find out more about Freedom of Clothing? Yeah, we have an Instagram page. It's freedom underscore official clothing and we have a website up and stuff and you can just pop on there and it's quite straightforward how to, how to purchase. So all the support, appreciate it. The Big Red Band, John Corks, Red FM, that is Saoirse Noonan in conversation with Ger McCarthy on the Women in Sport podcast, which is available on redfm.ie every Thursday at noon and a cracking episode in uh, last Thursday's. It was a Women in Soccer special as he spoke to Saoirse uh, Sue Ronan and uh, Lisa Fallon, so worth checking that out, redfm.ie or from wherever you download your podcasts just over an hour to go now to kick off in Wembley Stadium where England take on Italy in the Euro 2020 Championship Final. Kieran Trippier looks set to start with Saka dropping to the bench uh, for England and uh, he'll be the wing back there in that uh, 3-5-2 formation or a 5-3-2 when you don't have the ball so it's going to be an interesting tactical battle uh, later on today. Going to hear briefly from uh, Southgate. Uh, this is him. He's saying he's going to use their style of play to exploit Italy's weaknesses. You have to decide the most important information for the players and try Try to highlight potential weaknesses in the opponent. There are fantastic players all through the Italian team. That's the beauty of football, that every team has different strengths. We've tried to play to ours and we need to do the same. So it's an 8 o'clock kickoff for that one. On last night's show, Colmo Sullivan spoke to Ireland legend Ronnie Whelan about the game and how Ronnie thinks it's going to go. This is a little clip from that interview. Um, it's a final of the Euros, you know, and whoever plays in it is going to find it tough at some stage in the game. It's who can come through the tough points in the game. Italy came through a lot of tough points against Spain. You know, when they were under pressure, Spain had most possession and then um, Italy got through it. It's who in a final can do that the best. Um, I, I don't know on the night how it's, how it's going to go. Um, it's so difficult to call because they've been really, really good at both teams. Um, it'll be a pity on the team that loses because no, none of these two teams really deserves to lose this final. But um, it's a very, very interesting game. Big matchups all over the pitch, isn't it? 
got Bonucci and Chiellini against Kane, um, Sterling against Di Lorenzo, Shaw against... Uh, it's just so many big, big battles to be won on the pitch. I think the one in the middle with Rice and Phillips against... Um, it was a Barella, Giorgino um, and Verratti. That, that'll be a big one. It's three against two in there. I know there'll be different um, things happening around the pitch, different players. But to win that midfield battle, I think it'll be crucial and to get on the ball and play football. Come again on Sunday. What's the atmosphere like over there? You're in England now, Ronnie. What's the atmosphere like there in general at the moment? Is, is there a real buzz around the English team? I mean, it's, it's the first final since 66. Unfortunately, yeah. There's a huge <laughs> everywhere. I, every, I keep getting texts. I keep hearing people in the street. I keep hearing it in shops. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. And we are getting battered with it over here. It's coming home. Um, we shall see on Sunday night. Do you think it is coming home, Ronnie? We're hearing all the hype all week and for the last few weeks. Football's coming home. Football's coming home. We're hearing the song and it's a great, great football song. I love the football song. But what do you think, if you had to call it, is football coming home? Is it going to be England or are Italy going to upset the party, I suppose? Uh, My heart would be with Italy. But I think my head will say that England will go on and do it. They're at home. and it's Ronnie Whelan there speaking to come last night on last night's I showing you that podcast from NFM.ie and uh, yeah an hour to go now to kick off at Wembley some disturbances outside Wembley actually in the build up to the game a lot of England fans are uh, trying to get through barriers and stuff like that so you've seen some of the footage and uh, seen a lot of uh, footage of fans and behaviour in general around Leicester Square and stuff like that so it's going to be um a tense night I think um, regardless of what happens uh, after, before and after the game um, but yeah 8 o'clock kick off tonight Wembley Stadium England versus Italy the European Championship final um, should be a cracking game I've really enjoyed the tournament so far well so far it's over now almost but it's been a really really enjoyable tournament so we had a final to match uh, the enjoyment that it's given us over the last month or so uh, but just looking um, at a Twitter poll 83% wanting Italy to win tonight no surprise that was on at Big Red Bench our Twitter account that's it from us for the evening thank you very much indeed uh, for tuning our way on the show tonight we're back uh, next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Colm Sullivan in the hot seat all next weekend and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench our podcast will be online shortly you can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts from and uh, Green Red is up next three hours of the best Irish music with Conor Halpin coming your way between now and 10pm Green and Red Conor Halpin uh, is up next thanks very much for joining me on the show this evening and uh, hope you enjoy the game tonight regardless of who you're shouting for if you're shouting for Italy or for England hope you enjoyed the game um, should be an absolute cracker really looking forward to this one when it kicks off at 8pm enjoy the rest of your evening folks uh, we're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6pm and uh, we'll talk to you then the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.